there's no doubt about it that there is a relationship with hearing loss and cognitive decline or dementia. I mean, there have been... Hi there, I'm Michael C. Patterson. Thanks for listening to this MindRamp podcast on hearing. And consider just how lucky you are to be able to listen to this recording and how important hearing is to your ability to interact with the world around you. In this episode, I interview Dr. Monica Sharma, who is a licensed audiologist and a licensed hearing instrument dispenser in the state of California, and she is a member of the American Academy of Audiology and the California Academy of Audiology. And Dr. Sharma is also my audiologist. In this episode, I'll focus on Dr. Sharma's comments about the causes and impact of hearing loss. I asked Dr. Sharma to tell me a bit about her background and how she got interested in audiology. I was telling you a little bit about my background and how I had seen an audiologist. Um, Now, when I had seen an audiologist, I was 16, 17 at the time, and it was right before my solo concert. So from that point, you know, I went to college, I studied biology, I studied psychology, and um, at the time I was doing microbiome research, which... Um, if you've ever been in research, you know, it's, it's, it's just awful. You sit, <laughs> in a, you sit in a, a lab, a very clean, sterile lab for hours on hours and hours, micro pipetting, small, tiny amounts. And if you mess one up, the whole week of work mm. is gone down the drain. You barely talk to anyone and you're completely isolated. And it just was not for me. And so I knew I wanted to do something in the pre-health profession. And I had no idea what it was. I thought about going to med school, but somehow I was like, yeah, it's a lot of years of school and I just wasn't as interested. Um, And so one day after a chemistry test, I went to the library and I said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm almost a senior. I got to figure out what I want to do. So I Google, I did a Google search for pre-health professions and Mm. audiology starts with an A. So it was the first one on the list. (laughs) Now, like most young people, I had never heard of an audiologist. And I think, you know, it's the case for most people today in general, you don't hear about audiology until you need it. Right. Which I think is also, you know, one of the problems about the field of audiology and, you know, hearing as well. So I, I clicked on it and I was like, okay, so it's a profession where you help people hear better. Okay, A, that's something I have personal experience in. I called my mom up. She was like, oh, yeah, you did see an audiologist. And then I was like, so you get to kind of talk to people all day and, and help them hear better. At the time, uh, Time Magazine had um, ranked it the sixth least stressful job in America. So I was like, all right, low stress, no blood, you help people hear yeah. better, sounds great. But now that I'm in the field, I realize that it's actually a really big problem and a huge detriment to our field that people don't know the importance of their hearing. And there are so many misconceptions that are floated out there. I think the, the year before I graduated from audiology school, the entire state of California had one net audiologist. That's it. Wow. How many are there now? Uh, So now this year, actually, there are going to be four more audiology schools that are opening up across California. So that should kind of help that issue. But I I think a lot of it is, you know, I didn't know what audiology was. I found it by complete chance. And I just think that because there's not as much awareness surrounding the, the entire field of audiology, it really hurts the field because then people are kind of left to their own devices and, right. you know, trying to figure out 
things about hearing loss and, and not necessarily spreading the truth. Like, for example, that doctor who tells his patient that your hearing is normal for your age. Don't worry about it. We'll get it tested in a couple years again. I think it's one of the most frustrating things I see. I mean, like I told you, I've got I've got the 50-year-old with, you know, hearing loss who got the hearing aids. And then that same week, I also had a 97-year-old who got hearing aids. And she is doing incredible. She calls them her little gems. She's active as can be. She wears them to her. She plays badminton still. And, and, and I think especially wow. in my profession, you know, I do tend to see a lot of older adults. And I can confidently say that, you know, age really is just a number. You can definitely tell that the people that are constantly learning, that are making the effort to wear their hearing aids every day, they seem so much more mentally and, and, and socially and, and emotionally happier. And, and you can just tell they have a better quality of life than the people who kind of give up or resort at a lot younger age. I definitely see that all the time. And that's why I tell people, because some people are like, they'll come in at, at 93 and say, well, why would I get hearing aids? I'm going to die tomorrow. And I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> it, a lot of it is is mental. And hearing aids improve your quality of life in, in such a great way where you're able to hear your grandkids better. You're be able to go to a play and understand it better that it's kind of like, why not improve your quality of life when you want instead of when someone tells you you should? Hearing loss has consequences that go beyond simply not hearing people. What are some of the, uh, the those negative consequences, especially as they relate to older adults? You know, a lot of the consequences of hearing loss, you know, becoming socially isolated or, you know, there's a lot of mental fatigue and fog that comes from it. I mean, we talk, someone with hearing loss, for example, especially some but with age-related hearing loss, it tends to affect the higher pitches more than the lower pitches. Now, higher pitches, what are those? That's going to be a lot of consonant sounds, a lot of, you know, letters like the letter S, SH, the letter T. Now, those are the sounds that give words clarity. So if we take out all the sounds that give words clarity, you're left with a lot of the vowels. And so that's what, you know, a lot of people come in, the, the main complaint I hear is I can, I can hear, but it's not clear. And the reason it's not clear is because we're taking out all those consonants. I kind of, you know, compare it to you've got a piano um, and if you're playing it with your fingers, that's kind of like having normal hearing. And then you take out those consonants and it's like playing the piano with your elbow. It becomes muddy and, and just really difficult to understand what people are saying. Now, you go about your day-to-day -day life and you have conversations with people. And if those consonant sounds are missing from the conversation, your brain has to constantly play Mad Libs of, here's context, I'm reading their lips, here's what I think they said, let me fill in the blank. And that's a lot of effort and a lot of work on your brain to have to do that. So what ends up happening is towards the end of the day, your brain gets more tired, you add in noise, your brain gets even more tired, and a lot of people will check out a conversation or they'll get frustrated, you know, we see a lot of social isolation happening with um, patients with hearing loss. Yeah, which and there's a lot of evidence that social is isolation contributes to cognitive decline and, and depression and dementia and a lot of the things that we don't want to have happen as we right. get older. There is evidence to show that, you know, there is a physiological effect of social isolation on the body. 
Why is it harder to hear a conversation in a crowded room? There's a couple of reasons uh, for that. And, and a lot of why, you know, I think it becomes harder is background noise tends to be a low frequency sound. For most people, they lose their high frequency before they lose their low frequency. So essentially, you go into a noisy restaurant, you hear the noise a lot better than the person that you're trying to hear. So our ability to hear individual voices goes down, while our ability to hear all of the background noise stays the same. So the background noise masks the individual voices. You were involved in an interesting program learning classical Indian music, and it led to your interest in audiology. Um, can you tell us about that and, and help me out with the name of the, the college? University in India called uh, Gandharva Mahavidyale. And it was a program, it was a great program where we basically learned in the States and there were professors from India that would come over, teach, and they would record our exams and someone oh. in India would grade them. So it ended up being a seven, eight year long program for me. And then I finally graduated um, when I was a junior in high school. Oh, you did this all during your high school years? Yeah, and it's actually, um, it's really interesting because when you graduate from a program like this, a part of your graduation is performing a solo concert. And when I was preparing for the solo concert, which is a very vigorous schedule and, and you're constantly singing, I used to get a lot of ear infections. And at the time, I think I was a month, it was a month out of my solo performance and I had a really awful ear infection. And if you've ever had one of those, it feels like your head's kind of underwater. You hear your own voice a lot. You might hear your heartbeat in your ear how am I going to sing like this? How am I going to perform like this? And so at the time I saw an ear, nose and throat doctor, and I didn't, unbeknownst to me, I'd seen an audiologist and I was diagnosed with a mild conductive hearing loss. Oh. What does conductive hearing loss mean? So it means that it's relating to the middle ear. So, you know, okay. there's hearing loss that deals with the inner ear and then there's hearing loss that deals with the middle ear. And so basically when you have an ear infection, sometimes you'll get a fluid buildup behind the eardrum. And if you picture a drum that's filled with water and you hit it, it's mm -hmm. not going to release a sound as great as it would if the drum was hollow. Right. So if you think about your eardrum, if it's filled with fluid, you're not going to hear as well as if there's no fluid behind that eardrum. Um, luckily, you know, it did clear, it did get better, but I've been experiencing ear infections all my life. I still get them every couple of years. And when I get them, I do get a temporary hearing loss, um, in the mild to sometimes moderate range. So it really huh. does kind of affect the way I hear. And I tell a lot of my patients, I test out a lot of hearing aids during that time because I really do know, you know, <laughs> I really need them. So, um, so that's yeah. what you do when you when you have the ear infection. You then have to wear a hearing aid in order to hear. I better. will just uh, just a to kind of test it out and see what my patients are going through with them. Hmm. Um, and and b because it it does you know help me hear better. So um, my last one about a year ago, I had a really bad ear infection and it resulted in a, a moderate conductive hearing loss. And yeah, I uh, the same hearing aids that you actually have, I. I tuned them up for myself and I wore them around and it helped me hear better. And I got to kind of see what it's like to be in my patient's shoes. 
Dr. Sharma and I talked a bit about the connection between hearing loss and dementia, Alzheimer's. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt about it that there is a relationship with hearing loss and cognitive decline or dementia. I mean, there have been you know studies that have shown that having even a mild hearing loss can make you three times more likely to de- de- develop cognitive decline. Um, so there's definitely no doubt. Of course, that pathway there is a lot of confusion and and a lot of just mystery behind what exactly is that pathway because there's so many different factors you know like right. we said, is there a reserve are you socially isolated is it the brain you know atrophying but I, I really think it's kind of a combination of all of it um that can really affect and affect you and I think that's also why doing something like wearing a hearing aids because that's also you know kind of like you're saying that that mental activity of, of even just wearing a hearing aid and I mean I'm sure you remember you know, it's not an easy thing. You have to learn how to put it on. Your brain has to get used to the sound. In a way, it is kind of like going through therapy where you're mm-hmm. teaching your brain how to do certain things again and keeping it active. So it's a form of exercise. What are some of the primary causes of hearing loss? Factors that um, that cause hearing loss. So there's, there's quite a few. Um, Age, of course, we kind of talked about, but there's also, you know, genetic causes. If you experience any trauma, some people who are in car accidents, things like that, Um, toxicity. So, you know, people undergoing chemotherapy, a lot of Mm. those drugs can actually cause hearing loss. Um, There's also certain viruses. Some people are even, there's, there's some research going on right now because some people think that, you know, people who are recovering from COVID Mm. Had sudden hearing losses. So there's some viral um, effects there. And then a lot of occupational noise hazards. Some There was a study that showed that people who live in cities versus, you know, more rural areas might right. have more hearing loss. And then with kids, a lot of times you see congenital hearing loss where they're born with it or, you know, also, like I mentioned, the genetic causes. So let's start with congenital hearing loss. I assume that means that they're born with some kind of damage or some kind of deficit. Is it in the ear itself or is it in the, the auditory? It can be, it can be either. Could be anywhere. Right. You know, like kids with down syndrome, for example, they get a lot of ear infections, the way their eustachian tubes are, they just tend to have more fluid build up behind that eardrum to the point where, you know, it's kind of constant for most of their life. Um, So sometimes it can affect that middle ear Sometimes it can affect the inner ear. There's so many different things that can contribute to hearing loss. Actually, every baby in the state of California that is born is part of a newborn hearing screening process. And so that process will will usually detect any of those hearing losses. So the good mm-hmm. thing about, you know, you know, current times are that we are able to detect um, hearing loss a lot sooner. Um, and then that way it can be treated, which... You know, if you think about how kids learn how to read, most kids learn phonetically. So things are sounded out to them and and then we point. So um, for kids who are not able to hear, it's a lot harder to learn how to read. So now that we're able to kind of detect those hearing losses a lot sooner, it also helps kids, you know, with school and, and things like that. So if you find that a child has hearing loss and is not, say, learning language as quickly as they should be, is the treatment to fit them with the hearing aids? 
Yeah. So a lot of, I mean, depending on the severity of hearing loss, a lot of kids will get um, hearing aids and a lot of uh, young kids are also fit with cochlear implants. Explain what cochlear implants are. So a cochlear implant is um, something where it converts acoustic sound to um, electrical current. When we're looking at the inner ear and those hair cells, which help us hear, if there is deterioration of the hair cell, then what happens, they replace the hair cells with electrodes. So sound is picked up by a microphone, and then that microphone will send different levels of current to the electrodes that are in the cochlea where the hair cells usually are. So those different levels of current will give sound information to the person who's wearing it. So it's a different way of hearing, um, but it does kind of help, you know, a lot of kids that get cochlear implants and get implanted early, they are able to develop speech. Um, they're able to sometimes, you know, really appreciate music and, and have a lot of the benefits of, of hearing the way you and I do. And this is actually a device that's implanted permanently. Was it behind the ear? Yeah, so it uh, the it goes into the cochlea. So it's a very oh. specialized surgery. And they basically thread this very thin um, set of electrodes into the cochlea, which is a shell-shaped part of your body that's inside the um, inner ear. What's the deal with tinnitus, that, that constant ringing in the ear that torments some people? It's definitely, you know, so a lot of people with normal hearing, when they're exposed to a lot of noise, they will get some of that ringing. And um, I like to tell people that if you're getting that ring in your ear after listening to something loud, it was probably too loud. Sometimes I think about tinnitus as, and this is pure speculation on my part, that we hear those sounds all the time, but that our brains have learned to tune them out. But with tinnitus, we, we can't tune out those annoying background sounds. Yes, yeah, so tinnitus is it's really, really interesting because A, not a lot is known about it, but mm-hmm. what we've seen is, is interesting. Now, most people with hearing loss will experience tinnitus. Mm. And one of the theories is that the brain is making up for sounds that it's not hearing. Filling in the gaps that it, it thinks should be there, but, but exactly. aren't. And like, then that's also why a lot of um, a lot of treatment for tinnitus is hearing aids because hearing huh. aids are kind of providing that input that your brain is looking for, and it will kind of mask that tinnitus. Now the other part of it is similar to what you're saying. You know, tinnitus is tied to the part of the brain that deals with stress and anxiety and things like that. So some people will notice tinnitus when it's when they're more stressed up or mm-hmm. at nighttime um, or when it's very quiet because your brain, like I said, it's kind of making up for what it's not hearing. Um, the other part of it is if you do hear tinnitus, the more you think about it, the more you tend to hear it yeah. because your brain places importance on it. And then it becomes kind of the cycle of, wait, I hear it. Is it dangerous? Is it hurting me? And then the minute the brain kind of starts thinking about that, it starts focusing on it. Then you start hearing it all the time. Yeah, it's going back to what you were saying earlier about the one of the brain's job is to pay attention to stuff that's new and different to yep, make exactly. sure it's not not going to come and bite you. And yeah. if you're worried about tinnitus, well, then it gets your attention. So, yeah. yeah. 
your description of it sounded a little bit like phantom limb uh, syndrome. It's like phantom noise. Your your brain fills in. That's one of the theories. Now, you know, and I'm sure you know this, like anything relating to the brain, there's so much that's unknown about it because it's very hard to test and to understand. But that's, you know, that's definitely one of the theories behind it. There are certain things, um, you know, I don't know if you've heard of Meniere's disease. There are certain diseases and things that can make that tinnitus worse. Hmm. Um, but overall, most people that get tinnitus um, is the, the case for most people who get a tinnitus. Like I said, most people with um, hearing loss will get tinnitus at some point. And for people with normal hearing that get tinnitus, some of it can be related to noise exposure um, and things like that. This has been great. Before we bring this to a close, I want you to tell me about your organization called Product of Culture. So before I went to grad school, I was heavily involved in the South Asian art scene in Chicago. So I worked for the Chicago South Asian Film Festival. Um, And if you know anything about South Asian film, most people kind of think of Bollywood. Right. Um, And so a lot of other indie film and, and just really good content kind of gets lost to that. So Uh, Someone who I worked at the film festival with, um, her name is Archana, and she's um, my other half, my uh, the other founder of Product of Culture. We realized that for a lot of South Asians, similar to myself, who are a diaspora, we, you know, are not necessarily from India or South Asia, but our parents are, and we kind of have this dual identity of being American and South Asian. And so for us, there wasn't really a platform that celebrated us, that shared our content. And so what started off as a film festival kind of dedicated to showcasing that Mm. turned into something where we realized, you know, forget film. If you are a poet, a painter, a musician um, who's showcasing work like this, there isn't really anything that exists. And so from that product of culture kind of grew and and our, you know, our goal is really to support these creative entrepreneurs and, and whatever vertical they're in. So we, you know, we run a film festival every year. We do pop-up shops. Mm-hmm. Um, when the pandemic started, we realized that, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs and small businesses were hurting. And so we ran a 48-hour digital pop-up shop that featured, um, you know, almost 100 different small South Asian brands. And you were able to shop. Um, from these brands all online. And we had Mm. music performances, comedians, short films, and and things like that. So, you know, we were kind of spread across all verticals. We're a curation platform. You know, we try to give back as much as possible um, to our community. And it's it's a lot of fun. Well, that's terrific. And you do all this in your spare time. Yes, all my spare time. And, (laughs) and, And the other part of my spare time really truly is dedicated to you know, raising awareness for audiology, increasing visibility. Um, I sit on the board of directors for the California Academy of Audiology. And a huge part of my role as communications chair is, you know, supporting young audiologists and just audiologists in the community. And and how can we, you know, band together, network together to get the word out about audiology from ourselves instead of, you know, outside parties that may not know as much. Well, cool. I hope this podcast does a little something to to help spread the word about audiology. Yeah, I truly hope so. I mean, I think I think everything that you guys are kind of talking about your podcast, it's such a it's such a good fit. You know, yeah. hearing in the brain, it's it's like 
wine and chocolate, you know, it just <laughs> really well together. And it's something yeah. I'm really, you know, truly passionate about. And I, I definitely see that same passion in, in your podcast as well. So I'm, I'm really glad that you were able to have me so we can talk all ears. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening in to my conversation with Dr. Monica Sharma. She's an audiologist with Pacific Coast Hearing Care in Beverly Hills, California. I plan to put together a second podcast focusing on Dr. Sharma's insights and advice about hearing aids. As she says, modern hearing aids are not your father's hearing aids. She discusses technical capabilities of hearing aids, some of the limitations, uh, and why it's important to overcome the resistance some of us have to wearing hearing aids and to get help before hearing loss becomes too severe. You can access all of our podcasts for free on the podcast page on our website, www.mindramp.org, or you can find them at your favorite podcast platform. Please contact us if you want to work with us to put together your own personalized plan to work on preventing cognitive decline, dementia, and premature aging. And of course, if you're struggling to get started on your brain health plan or or to figure out exactly what to do or how to overcome obstacles or how to stick to your plan, well, we can coach you through those difficult times. Stay well, live long, and live well.